Welcome to the teaching ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California. Join our pastors as they share biblical principles of God's transforming grace so that you may learn God's word in order to live God's way. Well, I hope you have nimble fingers tonight. You can even do that if you need to. Pop your knuckles, which you should never do. I don't, I don't know why they keep telling me that. It has to do with arthritis, but, but it does. It feels so good. Uh, but limber up your fingers. We're going to go from Psalm 1 to 150 tonight. It's only 150 chapters. Don't get too panicked. It's okay. No, we won't do all of them. But we are, we are going to look at Psalm 1. We're going to end with Psalm 150. We're going to pop into a couple along the way. But I want you to think of your music library, if you have one. I know it's fun every once in a while to talk with people and, and find out what they like in music. It'll tell you a lot about people. Uh, some of you won't listen, talk to me anymore, at least for a while, kind of like when I make fun of cats, if you're a cat people. I don't like country. Uh, I like a lot of other stuff. I do have country on my iPod, though, in my music library. I have a couple country things. So um, even in that, it's fun... T- to kind of have a challenge with people every once in a while and see who has the most diverse music tastes, musical tastes or, or playlist. Um, I don't know if you ever feel like it's you. I would say this. Psalms stands a pretty good shot at being the most varied. Here are a few of them. We're going to look at a couple others tonight, but ones we're not even really going to look at. But did you know there's kind of a sci-fi chiller? If you've ever been to a movie, they have that creepy music playing if it's a little too sci-fi. There's some sci-fi things, science fiction things. Sci-fi is short for that. Psalm 74, verse 14. It was you who crushed the heads of Leviathan and gave him as food to the creatures of the desert. Um, I loved it. I had one of the students read that this morning, and their response, two words into it, was, what? Wait. And they just kind of stumbled on it, because it's, it's not what you expect in Psalms, is Leviathans and crushed heads and desert animals eating him. So it's a little bit like that way, or how many of you have ever been on a family road trip around the holidays? You might have even heard me talk about this before. My dad loved, it would start at Thanksgiving, and it would end shortly after Christmas. He cheats now, he starts Christmas before Thanksgiving, but we'd drive from San Luis Obispo to my grandma's house in Los Angeles, other side of Los Angeles, and um, actually Fullerton, for those of you who know the area. Uh, and on the way down, before Thanksgiving, we could only listen to Thanksgiving music. Anybody even know what Thanksgiving music is? It is so hard to find. There's like two songs. But he would find them, old-time radio programs, Abbott and Costello, some pretty neat things. We only heard them on that trip. We always had the same exact song playing. And then Christmas time would be everywhere we'd go. There'd just be Christmas music nonstop. The reason my dad starts in November, by the way, is he has something like 200 Christmas CDs. And he, he literally can listen to them nonstop, and it takes two months. Um, so he, he kind of hit the point where he had to start early. I call him a cheater. He says he just loves Christmas. But have you ever been on a... Yeah, Craig, Craig's office is next to mine. I give him a hard time when he and David start Christmas in like July. It's wrong. Tomorrow. Yeah, great. Okay, so see what I get to listen in the office tomorrow. But when you're on a road trip, there's that, we call them playlists now because of iPods, but that music that you have, well, that's in Psalms too, arguably. Um, Some people, I think most people believe the songs or Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 to 134, 
was when they'd go up to Jerusalem. They didn't have camels with tape decks or record player. Anybody have a car with a record player back in the day? I know they existed, and I just saw a picture of my dad had a friend with one. They weren't real effective because it was a record. It skipped every time you drove. But um, you'd, you'd sing Christmas songs together. Well, the Jews would sing or read or however they did that. All of them, the whole nation, we think, as they went up to Jerusalem, they'd do a psalm at a certain point. That's a neat national event. It's kind of like our Christmas, though, where you can know around December, everybody's singing the same songs. So you see that in the Psalms? Uh, I was trying to, I was looking up on my phone, too, trying to think of some early, um, I call them stalker ballads. I I have a bunch from the 80s. The police are famous for one of every move you make. It's a love song. People dance to it at their weddings, and then you realize it's about an ex-boyfriend who's stalking a girl. And it's those songs that sound great, and then you listen to the words, and I'm like, wait a minute. That'll land you in jail. It's not okay. Before you criticize 80s music, I know there's some vintage country music with the same themes. You can listen to songs from the 1920s and 30s in country, and you're like, oh, wait a second. I don't know if that's okay. But... You might think, wait, that, surely that's not in the Psalms. Have you ever read Psalm 139? Well, I know you have because last year, around this time with VBS, we took you through it. God's stalking us. And it's comforting as a Christian, except when you're sinning. But if you're sinning or you're not a Christian, that's scary. The whole point at the beginning of Psalm 139 is no matter what you do, no matter where you go, I'll be watching you. That almost is a quote of the 80s song from the police. But God's saying it to us. So you can go high, you can go low, you can go across the sea, ask Jonah. (laughs) I'm going to be there. You can't get away from me. Now, if we're Christians and we're living holy lives, that's very comforting. Because one of the lines is, you hem me in behind and before. You protect me. But it also means that we can't hide. When we're sinning in our mind and nobody else knows, God says, no, I'm there too. I've covered that at the cross, but, but I'm there too, so don't think it's okay and don't think nobody knows. So there's some stalking in Psalms also and a bunch of others. We're, we're going to look at a few tonight. Uh, I'm not going to go real deep in any of these. I'd encourage you to read them on your own, but to be honest, they're the Psalms. Not that we can't go deep with them, but they're pretty, pretty understandable. We usually know what the Psalms mean when we read them. As with many parts of Scripture, living them out is tough sometimes. But it's not hard usually to figure it out. So go to Psalm 1. I think, by the way, I I can't prove this, but I think at least in the arranging of the Psalms, they put Psalm 1 first for a reason and Psalm 150 last for a reason. Granted, they could have been anywhere. But I think there's a neat point you can see with each of those when we get to them. Psalm 1, though. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." It's a great psalm to start. It's a reminder to be captivated by God and not by people. So you'll be blessed if 
you're captivated by God and his word, verse 2, but in his delight, or his delight is the law of the Lord, and on, this, on his law he meditates day and night. Be caught up in God's character, which we see in his word. Be caught, of, caught up in God's story, which we read about in his word. His plan, his ways, which we come across in his word. Just be captivated by him. Instead of, verse 1, when you're walking along the way, being captivated by the person walking next to you and to the point where you start to stand with them and then finally you find out you're sitting in the seat of people who just mock, number one, God, but really everything. I mean, think about the people who are known in your life. You consider the people around you as mockers. Don't they, in the end, given enough time to start mocking everything? God most of all. Not always. Some of us are sarcastic by nature and God's working on that too. But, but often we do. Verse 3 says, if you're captivated by God, you'll be a plant, that is, a tree that is healthy, sustained by water, strong, unshakable, fruit to prove that you are alive. Comparing that to the wicked in verse 4, not so the wicked, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. You have this picture in Psalm 1, captivated by God, healthy, fruitful, unshakable. Even, the only way you know that you're unshakable, by the way, is when the, when the wind's blowing a lot. You ever notice Santa Maria is, has, has a tad bit of wind from time to time? Sometimes when I'm driving home and I see the trees and, and it looks like, I don't know if you've seen this movie or not, but in Jurassic Park, when the trees are shaking, bad things pop out. And in my twisted brain, I was thinking, ooh, looks like the velociraptor's back. It's about to come lunging at me. And yet those trees don't move if they're healthy and planted firmly. That's that picture versus chaff, the things when you throw the weed up that you don't want to stick around. The healthy things fall to the ground there, and the chaff just blows away. It's gone. That's, that's the whole point of throwing it up. God says the wicked just get blown away. I told you to limber up your fingers. I didn't tell you this. A little bit different of a night tonight. We're going to alternate between reading a psalm and typically praying. I just want you to pray right now for two, three minutes. Spend a time of reflection and repentance before God. Because unfortunately, we rarely land in, in one of those categories only. I mean, fortunately, we don't hopefully only land in the wicked category, but but we aren't always in the part that's talking about blessing here because sometimes we do sit with mockers. So just spend a little bit of time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say amen even if you're not done. You can keep praying and ignore me if you want to. I don't want to disrupt you talking to God, but take a couple minutes, pray quietly where you're at and reflect on your, who you are in light of, light of God. If you're an adopted child, thank him for that, although we'll get to thanks too, but... A little bit of a time of reflection and repentance. Go ahead. Lord, may we ever be captivated by you that we would be firmly established and unshakable, healthy, spiritually, honoring to you. Amen. Okay, use those nimble fingers and turn to Psalm 22.
So another different kind. That first one, it could be a devotional one. A lot of there, there are probably six to eight different categories that Psalms often gets divided into. There might be some more than that that you could use. We're not going to look at all of them tonight, but if you wanted to, someone might be devotional. Although um, I don't know that it typically gets categorized that way. I think it's just the first Psalm. It's the intro. Twenty-two though is a messianic Psalm. It's talking about Christ. And you'll, you'll probably hear that. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but verses 1 through 8, and then we're going to jump a couple to 12. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel, and you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Skip to 12. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart was turned to wax, it is melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me, a band of evil men has encircled me, and they have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Did you hear the cross in there? Isn't that amazing to think how long ago this was written? A psalm of David. Now granted, the people didn't necessarily hear the cross from David, but they were prepared for it. In fact, In that beginning, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When you hear Jesus crying that out from the cross, if you're Jewish, perhaps that psalm echoes in your ears. And I would say probably not perhaps, but definitely that song echoes in your ears. As you've heard that in the synagogue, you've heard that when you've gone to worship God. You've heard that your whole life growing up. And then you see this man who claimed to be the one who could take away your sins, referencing Psalm 22. Maybe they didn't remember it exactly, depending on how well-versed they were in Scripture, but they're thinking back to the last time they heard somebody read that. Stand up in their presence and read it. i got to think with how powerful our God is, he definitely flipped that switch, excuse me, in the minds of the listeners around the cross. And as that tale spread throughout the city, did you hear what he said? And then you think about it and you look at it and you, and you do, looking back, it's easy to see glimpses of the cross one after the other, exact things that happened that David is talking about. And perhaps he knew some details and maybe he just was putting down words. But God knew and was speaking through him and said, I want a glimpse of the cross. When they look back in their psalm book, I want them to have no doubt I was talking about this ahead of time. From the greatest of kings, King David, that I was alluding to this moment 
even then. It's amazing. And there are some psalms, this is the biggest one, that are messianic psalms because they allude to the cross. For us, we're looking back and it's easy to see. For them, it was at least a glimpse so that when they saw the cross, it was not brand new territory. Something in their heart that God was prompting would tug on it and say, I whispered this in your ear. I told you this was coming. This moment is the one that you pay attention to. We're going to pray again. And this time, just say a prayer of thanks. Anytime we come to the cross, repentance is fitting, but we've already done that. But thanks for anything, specifically the cross, but any way that God has perhaps worked in advance in ways you didn't notice at the time until later on you realized, wow, Lord, you were working 10 years ago to prepare me for this moment. You provided in this way when I wasn't even paying attention. You've blessed me for you are wonderful. Just spend a little bit of time of thanks again on your own, um, but thanking God for how amazing he is and specifically through forgiveness at the cross. Let's pray again. Lord, open our eyes to all the ways that you bless us, that we might thank you for them. Thank you above all for the cross, that we would be made your children, welcome in your presence, that we would know your grace and forgiveness and mercy, that we'd be able to stand in your presence, to sit among the righteous in the assembly. Lord, we praise your name. Amen. Okay, go to 58 now. Verse 3. And this might be awkward, but fortunately, Pastor Benji reminded us we don't get to pick and choose today. Verse 3. Even from birth, the wicked go astray. From the womb, they are wayward and speak lies. Their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears that will not heed the tune of the charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Tear out, O Lord, the fangs of the lions. Let them vanish like water that flows away. When they draw the bow, let their arrows be blunted, like a slug melting away as it moves along, like a stillborn child, may they not see the sun. Yikes! (laughs) That's, That's another one of those passages we don't typically, you know read with other people around. It's not one we run to for comforting. I don't know the last time you were struggling, you woke up and you went, Psalm 58. I got to memorize that one. Now, if you've had a hard life with a lot of enemies, maybe you have, but for the rest of us, we want encouraging Psalms. We want Psalm 23, where the Lord carries us in the darkness. We read this and you think, wait, is that, is that even okay to say? Could, could you ima- keep in mind, Psalms, these are, these are worship moments, basically. Could you imagine that song in church next week when David gets up here and, and we're singing and it's talking about breaking the teeth of your enemies? That, that, that would just fly to the top of the charts, wouldn't it? Well, hopefully not, actually. <laughs> that, that might not be a very welcoming church. And yet it's there. It was said. 
A little bit like Jael and Sisera. I don't know how familiar you, you are with that story in Judges, but where the lady drives the tent peg through the guy's head. And he's a bad guy, that's okay. Have you ever read the chapter after that where they turn it into a worship song and the end of the song is talking about his mother waiting for him to come home and thinking that he just got extra riches and she's gonna wait there forever. That was something they sang in the assembly. <laughs> There's some harsh moments in scripture that are, that are a little awkward. This is an imprecatory psalm. I think a little bit of where it's going, I think a lot of where it's going actually is the Bible calls us to turn to God and let him take vengeance. Let's face it, we have these moments. We have a culture actually that more and more, a world that more and more simply just goes out and breaks the teeth of their neighbors on their own. So we become more and more angry and violent it seems. The author here is just going to God and saying, Lord, your justice. Now, a little bit of an agenda there. But instead of him enacting it, he says, Lord, I depend on you for justice. I depend on you to make things right. There are enemies set against me. Lord, you take them. I will say this. Well, there might be times in your life to pray that moment. Uh, be careful. Because guess what happens if you're the one in the wrong? Perhaps that gets turned upon you. Now, as God's child, I don't think he's going to break your teeth, but he will discipline you. But there are moments when you are so angry and you are seeing red and you've been wronged, great. This psalm reminds us, run to God with that. That can be a worship moment, probably not in the assembly, probably not together in church, not next Sunday. We're not just going to have, you know, five angry songs running to God for justice. But in those moments where you've been hurt by your spouse, wronged by your kids, offended by a neighbor, cut off on the road, we're reminded by Psalms to run with God, even with that anger, and say, okay, Lord, you settle things. Basically, and this I realize aren't in the words, but it would be us saying, I would do this poorly. You, Lord, can do this perfectly. Where they're wrong, make things right. Where I've been offended, bring peace. Lord, fight my fight for me. We're going to go to prayer again. A little different this time. Well, I guess the same. First, though, pray for forgiveness. For your own heart that gets this angry when you shouldn't. I guess I'm the only one that probably has those moments in, the, in that room. I see a lot of great faces out there. But those moments when you are filled with wrath and God would tap you on the shoulder and say, uh, you mind cooling down a little bit? You're wrong. Ask for God's forgiveness. The other one, though, is ask God that they would have a repentant heart. Lord, that they might seek out his forgiveness first, yours if it's needed. And then, if you still have some things in mind at that point, ask God for justice. Maybe not the actual breaking of teeth, but maybe the breaking of a heart. 
maybe the righting of wrongs. Because surely God is able, as we've been looking at on Sunday mornings, to rightfully dish out wrath and, and ensure justice. And there are times, there are bad people that sometimes need God's correction in that way. So spend some time, some moments in there. Hopefully you don't get angrier than you were before I read the psalm. But running to God for forgiveness in your life where you need, hope for forgiveness in the life of others, and a prayer for justice. And to be honest too, on the justice side, perhaps it's not your life. It's injustices you see around the world. Go ahead and take two minutes for that. Lord, we long for your return when all things will be made right. We know that you alone can hand out justice. When we're angry, help us to run to you. You are never afraid of angry words. Lord, help us to, though, seek your heart. As we think of throughout the week or as we read in news stories, Moments of injustice. Remove the wicked people that stand in the way of bringing about peace. Of solving hurts. Of defending the helpless. That at least for a moment this world would better reflect who you are in your greatness. Amen. Psalm 119 has 176 verses. Don't be afraid, I'm only reading two. Okay, verse 18. It's, it is, by the way, an, one of the acrostic. There are a couple points in acrostic psalms. There are a couple points in scripture where they started, Psalm 119 is a neat one. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet and they took 22 sections of eight, eight verses. Each verse starts with the same letter of the alphabet, each of the eight. So they start with Aleph and go to Beth, Beth, excuse me, and then Gimel, and I'm not going to do any others. But all those little funny symbols and and the the words that you don't recognize, if you have a Bible like mine where it spells them out, those are the letters of the alphabet. The beginning of each line, so it says in one, blessed, that starts with a letter of the alphabet that that section is in. So if you ever want to learn the Hebrew alphabet, just memorize Psalm Psalm 119, it's only 176 verses again. Easy, you can knock this out in one afternoon. Just go home and work on it. Uh, If you ever do that, by the way, let me know. I promise to anybody in our youth ministries and for everybody in the room, I'll give you this. We'll buy you a study Bible with your name on it. If you ever memorize Word Perfect, all 176 verses and can quote it to me. So, a little challenge. But each of those is the letter of the alphabet. I 
I don't know that this is true, but I like to think it, this would be how we'd use it in our home. They help teach their kids the alphabet that way. Um, similarly, if you see my notes, I accidentally typed down Ecclesiastes, but I believe Lamentation, Lamentations is this way as well. But there are a couple psalms, not many, but a few psalms. 119 is the biggest and the neatest. It's basically just, well, the biggest. It's just a long poem. It's all talking about a love for God's word. Verse 18. Sorry, I lost verse 18. There it is. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. What a great verse. This would be a good one to start tomorrow out. That and the fighter verse, verse of the day, if you have those that pop up in an email or on your phone or in a calendar. Lord, today, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. We don't think of law and wonderful as going together. We should when it comes to God's word. It's an amazing, wonderful thing. In verse 11, I picked those two on purpose, but verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 176 verses all by the alphabet to help you remember the psalm, to help you remember the, the alphabet. I don't know which it was. It was just somebody sitting down and saying, I want to write a cool poem today. But it's, it's a neat, very artistic thing, by the way. You, you miss that in English. You see it in the Hebrew. But it's all talking about, Lord, help me love and appreciate your word. Youth Ministries put this on a t-shirt, one of the verses. It was Psalm 32. That's not going to pop on the screens. But I run in the path of your commands, for you've set my heart free. It's another one of the freedom we have in God's word and living that way is that we, we can run. We run around on an amazing path because his word is so wonderful, but it's praising his word. It's, again, being captivated by God, Psalm 1, and his word, making it parts of our lives, putting it in our minds, being amazed by it, looking for wonderful things. We're not praying this time. I know this is going to scare some of you. Hopefully you're close enough to somebody you can do this. You can cheat on the timeline as much as you need to, but hopefully you don't have to think back too far. Share briefly with one or two people around you one of the wonderful things you've seen in God's word lately. As you've been doing your Bible reading on your own, you can use something from one of the sermons lately if you need to or if that's something you've been focused on. God has an amazing word that's talking about him. And so often, I try to teach this to our students, when we study it so often, I, I don't try to teach this, I try to teach them not to do this. So often when we study it, we just move on with our day and don't do anything. Or at best, we study it and we think about it all day, but that's it. And what you see in scripture is read it, think about it, and then tell people. Tell your kids. If your family lives out of the city, every once in a while, it doesn't have to be every phone call. They might even get annoyed by that. But give them a call and say, hey, I just want to tell you, I just read this, and it was so wonderful, I couldn't keep it to myself. Or I've heard Pastor Greg say this about his family. I was reading the Psalms, and I prayed this for you today. I prayed this Psalm for you today. Call your family up. Call your friends. Annoy your uncle that doesn't ever want to talk about religion at all, but you're just going to make him. 
Okay, not every phone call, but, you know, it's okay to do that every once in a while. And just say, hey, I, I read this and I can't keep it on, uh, under control. I got to share it with somebody. When you bump into them at small group, when you're getting coffee and you say that you're doing fellowship, turn it into real fellowship by actually sharing God's word with them. Coffee alone does not make it fellowship. It just makes it coffee. <laughs> but talk to them and say, okay, I read this recently. Share it. Freak my students out. Scared them by bumping into them in the hallways and saying, hey, could I take 10 seconds to remind you about an amazing thing about God I read today? Helps if you have a relationship with them. And I'm not warning them. I'll forget by the time you see them. But I think that would be a cool church culture. If when you guys are walking this way and they're walking this way, you just said something like, hey, I read Psalm 3 today. Go check it out. It was wonderful. Or even better if you tell them why. I, I don't know what Psalm 3 is. I can't remember that. That's just what popped up. So hopefully it's not an imprecatory psalm. Uh, if it is, well, God can use that too. But right now... It's almost time to stop. I got one more psalm, uh, but one or two people turn to them and say, I read this. If you can remember where, great. Hopefully, well, it has to be from the Bible. It has to be from the Bible. Although you could have read it written down somewhere else from the Bible, but share with them quick, 30 seconds each. What's a wonderful thing in God's word? Okay, stop. If you didn't finish, great. Finish afterwards. That, by the way, was fellowship and discipleship. There's a little glimpse of it. It's discipleship, us spurring each other on towards following Christ. Fellowship is, again, more than... You didn't even have coffee, and it was still fellowship. No coffee, no donuts. We don't even know what to do with that. And yet, that was it. Is Really, it's discipleship. It's relationship together following Christ. You can get bigger and broader definitions of that, but that's a good simple one. You can do that over coffee and donuts, great. Or you can just have coffee, donuts, and be talking about football. But lots of other psalms. There are historic psalms where if you've ever felt like in the psalm book you were, you were reading, all of a sudden you feel like you're back in Genesis or Exodus or the, the, the Pentateuch, you're like, wait, didn't we already cover this material? Well, yes, you did. Um, and we tend to forget things. That's, that's why it's in there. And even, well, I don't know about worse than us because it's probably the same as us, but the nation of Israel forgot things all the time. So God had people write it into songs so they'd remember it. God did this, his love endures forever. And he did this, and his love endures forever. And he did this, and his love endures forever. Are you getting the picture? It's a historic psalm, but they repeat it. It goes Genesis through uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's hard to do, jumping one to the other. Um, Genesis to Deuteronomy pops up all over Scripture. It's almost like God meant for us to remember it. And he does, does that in the psalm book, too. Um, there's the Hallels. I think I said that right. Um, and I think they're 112 to 118. I might have gotten the numbers off a little bit there. If I'm wrong, sorry. You can correct me. That's okay. And then it ends with Psalm 150, which I believe is classified as one of the devotional psalms. But I think it's just a fitting reminder at the end of a praise book. 
Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a powerful end to it. I like to summarize this with our kids. It's the every psalm. Now, it starts with an only. Praise only God, period. There's one God and we praise him. But then it goes to every's. Praise him everywhere. Sanctuary the heavens. Praise him for everything, his acts of power, his surpassing greatness. Praise him with everything. We sometimes forget that one, but... And it goes through a whole list of instruments which basically covers them all, even some that we've tended to say in the church they don't belong. Things like cymbals, and not quiet cymbals, not a light tapping, but a clash of cymbals and resounding cymbals. And if you don't like that, that doesn't mean you need to, you know, just deal with it. Although sometimes we've got to stretch a little. I do have country on my iPod. I don't like it, but you hear a song that just rings with your heart. Even if if it's not your musical preference and you say, you know what, i got to pay attention to that one. That's how country makes it on my iPod. We need to be that way with worship too. I know sometimes some of us are stretched one way or the other. We bump into a style we don't like. But God says this, and did you see the very not Baptist one that slipped in there? We don't even know what to do with this. Praise him with dancing. Don't worry, Pastor, Pastor Greg will be back soon. <laughs> it's in there. Leviathan and dancing, it's both in the Psalms. They're in there. Praise him with everything. Everywhere, for everything, with everything. And then the last one, let everything, really, let everyone. It's beyond that, but I already used everything, so I like a new one. Everyone, but all creation. Let it, especially us, the ones that struggle the most, let everything that has breath praise the Lord and then ends again with praise the Lord. So there's really only one fitting way to end, which is how we usually end. I'll pray David's going to come up and we're going to end with praise, with worship. The amazing, wonderful God we read about in Scripture that we can take our anger to and we can write wonderful poetry for as we praise him. Let's pray. Lord, you are powerful and wonderful beyond our description and yet describable, knowable, relational. You're transcendent beyond us and you are imminent, present with us. You are so wonderful. Let us be captivated by you captivated by your word, and captivated with praising you. Amen. Our hope is that today's message empowers you by God's grace to live God's way. For more information, visit us online at gracebath.net.